You are listening to the Pursuit Church SA podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Okay, good morning, good morning. You may be seated. Wow, we have a lot going on this month here at Pursuit Church. As you can see, welcome, welcome anyone that may be here for the first time. We want to welcome you. Uh, Thank you for being here. Wow, thank you, Crystal, for leading us into the presence. Can we give it up for, for Crystal? Thank you so much for your heart, for worship, and for leading us into his presence. Wow. Busy time of year we're in, isn't it? <laughs> Got a lot going on. Today we are starting a series that will take us all the way through Christmas Eve called Make Room. Make Room. You know, over the next few weeks, what we're going to be looking at is how to make room, how to make more room for Jesus in our lives as we're in this Christmas season. But in order to do that, what we're going to be focused on is letting go of some things. You know, to make room, sometimes you have to let go of something, right? And over the course of these next few weeks, we're going to talk about some different things that we might want to look at letting go of so that we can make room for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born in a stable because as the scripture tells us in Luke, there was no room at the inn. That's why he had to be born in a stable because there was actually no room for him at the end. We want to make room for Jesus. We want to make room for Jesus. We want to make room for all that he has for us. Not only in this Christmas season as we get ready to celebrate his birth, but every day in our lives. We want to make room for Jesus. And again, in order to do that, we're going to have to let go of some things. We're going to have to let go of some things that are occupying places in our heart, in our minds, that's kind of crowding Jesus out maybe, or maybe not allowing all the room that we want to make for him. So again, in these next few weeks, that's what we're going to be doing. So today, we're going to start with learning to let go of distractions. Anybody here distracted from time to time? (laughs) Like daily, like hourly? Come on now. We all have a lot going on right now in our lives, don't we? Family, jobs, and I would suggest to say in the coming weeks, we're fixing to add even more things to our lives, right? There's presents to buy, houses to decorate, parties to go to, things to do, do, do. But the thing is, that's actually not really so new to us, is it? Aren't most of our lives kind of like that all the time? Isn't there always something competing for our priority, our time, our attention? So even though it can be a little more pronounced here in this Christmas season, actually this is a condition that we live with most of the time, right? We always have a lot going on. And if we take the time to really look at those things, what we're going to see is that most or many of those things are actually a distraction. They're really not that important or they're not as important as we make them, okay? Let me give you the definition of the word distraction. A distraction is a pulling apart, a separating, a drawing of the mind in different 
directions. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Have you found yourself pulled apart, separated, having your mind go in different directions? That's distraction. That's what's going on. We all have it. We all have it. Come on. And if we're not careful, though, these distractions can actually derail us or get us off track from what God really wants us focused on. And this is where we we have to be careful. Remember, the devil does not need to destroy you if he can distract you. And guess what? That's one of our enemy's favorite things to do is distraction. It started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. His job, our enemy's job with Eve, or what he tried to do was actually distract her from focusing on the promises of God. In the desert, Jesus Christ himself encountered our enemy, and he tried to do the same thing with Jesus. He tried to distract Jesus from the mission that he was here to accomplish by showing him all these different things and enticing him. He was distracting. That's exactly what was going on. So our enemy has used distraction from the beginning of time. There's nothing new in his arsenal. Now here's the thing. Some things can be pretty obvious in terms of distractions, right? They can pretty, be pretty easily recognizable that we can look at them and say, okay, that's clearly a distraction. That's really not good for me. But what about those things that we would even say are good or we think are good? Those are a little more subtle. And that's actually the most of our lives is spent in that realm, right? Is deciding and discerning between the good and the best. The good and the best. And that's the hardest part of distractions usually. Because it's been said that good is the enemy of best. And I think there's a lot of truth in that statement. Because what happens is we can settle for what seems to be good and be missing or be oblivious to actually the best that God has for us. Right? So we get so locked into the, oh, this is good enough, or this seems good. But really, God wants his best for us. Jesus said he came here to give us an abundant life, not just a good life. That's what he said. There's a story that we're going to look at here in chapter 10 of the book of Luke that really kind of helps illustrate what I'm talking about here uh, this morning. So let's read that story together. It starts in verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She held, excuse me, she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her to help me. Next, be exalted. Whoa, no. Let me, let me finish reading that. Tell her to help me. <laughs> Modern technology. Um, and the Lord uh, told her, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, 
But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Perhaps you've heard this story before. If not, it's a great illustration about what we're talking about today, about this thing of distraction. Now, Martha has kind of been criticized over the years in this story. Uh, People wonder, well, how could she have missed the point of Jesus being in her house? Uh, How could she be more concerned about the hospitality end of things instead of sitting at Jesus' feet like her sister Mary? But, you know, let's, let's be real for a minute. If Jesus was coming to your house, wouldn't you want it clean and neat? If Jesus was coming to your house, wouldn't you want to put on, the old southern phrase, put on the dog? You'd want to have all the food ready. You'd want to, wouldn't you probably be inclined to do that if you knew Jesus was coming to your house? So here's the thing. What Martha was doing was not bad. It wasn't bad. She was actually doing a lot of good things, right? The difference, though, is she was doing good things. And Mary recognized the better things. That's the thing. Mary was able to clue in and understand that although these other things were good, they weren't the best thing for her to be doing. Okay? And Jesus pointed that out to her, uh, to, to Martha. You see, Mary, Martha got distracted by the good things. And Mary was able to focus on the better thing. And you know, there's some things in our life that are like that, right? We get focused in on what are seemingly good things, and we're leaving the best thing undone, or we're leaving the best thing unexplored, or we're leaving the best thing not in its most important place, right? So what do we do to help with this thing of letting go of distractions, going to talk about that for a few minutes. What do we do about it? Number one, I would submit that what we can do to start with is diminish the distractions to begin with, right? The fewer distractions we have to deal with, the fewer we have to let go of, right? <laughs> so let's, let's start with diminishing them. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35, this is what Paul said. He said, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few, what? Distractions as possible. You see, Paul knew then what is still true today. More is not always better. More is not always better. In fact, more can actually be a problem, right? So, Here's a question to ask ourselves to start with. When we start looking at how how can we limit distraction in our life? How can we actually limit the number of distractions? First question, is what I'm doing, is the thing I'm involved in, is the thing I'm thinking about doing, is it going to lead me closer to Jesus or further away? It's question number one. Because that in and of itself, when you answer that question, is going to hopefully start helping you eliminate (laughs) many distractions right off the bat. Because if the answer is no, it's not leading me to Jesus, that should be at the pretty much top of our list of things that we can start learning how to get rid of, right? A distraction that is um, doing that. Now, the thing about that, like we said earlier, though, is 
you know, some things are really clear when we think about that. But then what about the things that we think, quote unquote, may be good, you know, things like, you know, the sports, the, you know, hobbies we have. I mean, you start thinking all these things, are they, are they necessarily bad? Not necessarily, but are they just good when we could be focused on the better? Remember this, God is not bound by time, but we are. God is not bound by time, but we are. We only have 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week, and only so many days in a lifetime. Now that last one actually only God, only God knows that number, right? Only God knows that number. You don't know it. I don't know it. I know we have 24 hours in a day. I know I have 168 hours in a week. But I actually don't know how many days I have to accomplish what God wants me to get done. Right? That starts to frame for us a little bit what is important and what maybe isn't so important. So you see, when we can limit our distractions we can begin to carefully decide what we're going to do and what we're not going to do, right? So, example, maybe during this Christmas season, we attend one less party so that we can actually spend a night home reading about the birth of Jesus Christ or researching a little bit what it says in the Old Testament. Remember last week we talked about 300 references to Jesus in the Old Testament. Why don't you Google Show me 10 references in the Old Testament of Jesus and study that for a night. How about doing that as a priority item instead of maybe one other thing that you don't really need to do, right? Come on. Maybe instead of buying that present for somebody at work that you don't even know, come on, I mean, the reality is maybe taking that same money and actually investing it into somebody who really needs it at Christmas time, you know, some individual, some family, some organization. Come on now. You know, these are, these are things when we start looking at it, we start analyzing. You know, is this nice? Is it necessary? Is it unimportant? Is it important? Right? Which really leads to the next thing that we can do to help limit or, or to help get distractions out of our life and let go of them. And that is actually by focusing on what's important. That's the next thing. Look at Proverbs 4, 25 and 26. It says this. Set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth and the road will be safe and smooth for you. Do you know what causes more than 3,000 deaths and 280,000 injuries every year and involves a car? Now, wait a minute. Some of you might be thinking, of course I know the answer to that. It's drunk driving. Nope. It's actually distracted driving. Distracted driving causes those numbers. Drivers who divert their attention or get distracted cause those things to happen. Now, I hate to admit this, but oftentimes I am one of those distracted drivers. And my wife 
<laughs> reminds me of that often. I need to repent of that like today, okay? Trust me. I can be one of those distracted drivers. I'm just telling you, so be careful if you see my white truck on 410. Yeah, I don't know if I want to get into Bob's Lane. Uh, hey, I'm just telling you, it's real. You see, the problem is when I let distractions interfere with my main focus, I can cause a lot of problems to myself, to other people. Because when I'm doing that, I'm putting the most important thing at risk. And when you get behind the wheel of a car, let's face it, the most important thing is to arrive at your destination safely. That's the bottom line. That is the most important thing. When you get behind the wheel of a car, you've got a place you're going. The ultimate measure of success is whether you arrive at that place safely. That's the goal. That's the important thing. All the other things that go on in that driving experience really at the end of the day are pretty unimportant, right? The only important thing is that I get to where I'm supposed to be going. So when the cell phone goes off and you want to answer it or start texting, when their favorite song comes on the radio and it causes you to focus on the song and not on the road in front of you, when the kids are fighting in the back seat, see all these distractions, they're very real. They go on. But if we let, if we get distracted by those things, some very bad things can happen when we're behind the wheel of that car. A, we may not get to our destination ever. B, we might miss a turn, get derailed, and now arrive at our destination way after we had planned, right? And you see, our lives are a lot like that. If we start getting derailed, off course by these distractions, they can get us off the road that God has us on. Now, God can always bring us back to the road, right? But we, hey, let me ask you this. Anybody ever taken some detours in life that have cost you besides me? Come on. How many of us have taken detours? And I would safe to say that many of those detours in many cases, were caused because we got distracted by something else in life, right? We, we, we assigned a higher priority to the distraction than we did to the destination. Come on now. Come on. We gave a higher priority to the distraction than to the destination. We can be in trouble when we do that. As we're here in this Christmas season, there's going to be lots of things that try and get our focus off of the real reason for the season, as the saying goes, right? Jesus Christ is the most important thing about Christmas, period. Not the presents, not the parties, not the trees. It's not important whether you get one gift or six gifts. It's not important if you have the biggest frosty blow-up in the neighborhood on your back, in, in your front yard. I love blow-ups. we got some in my house. That's great. But those are not the most important things about Christmas. Jesus Christ is literally the reason for this season. He is what's most important. Come on. You know, the celebration of the arrival of Jesus Christ was the most important thing over 2,000 or about 2,000 years ago, and it's still the most important thing. When Jesus arrived on the earth, time kind of stood still for a minute. The earth kind of stopped, right? 
When's the last time we stopped for Jesus? When's the last time we just kind of stopped everything going on in our hearts and our minds for a minute to focus on the Savior of the world? I'm going to tell you, over these next three or four weeks, we have a great opportunity to do that, to take some time to stop, think about Jesus, think about his meaning in our life, and think about how the world changed when he got here. And we want to do that in every area of our life. We want to learn to focus on the important things. Because when we can focus on Jesus, the most important thing, we're going to get to our destination safer and faster. Guaranteed. Now, we're still going, not always going to be a super smooth ride. Even though the scripture told us the road's going to be smooth, I, I get that. But there's other scriptures that tell us, hey, you're going to have a little bit of trouble in the world, so don't be surprised by that, right? But I'm telling you what, our road is going to be a lot safer and a lot smoother if Jesus is our focus because he's the most important thing above any distraction. Keeping our gaze fixed, as it said in the scripture, on the purposes of God helps us stick to that path of truth. And then our road truly will be safer and smoother. Distractions can lead to a bumpier ride. That's a, Come on now. That's the thing. When we, when we get the distractions, all of a sudden, potholes, whatever's going on, distractions are going to make that road bumpier. They're going to make that road more difficult. So let's stay focused on the important things in these coming weeks and beyond. Now, the last thing that we can do that we're going to talk about today is this thing called voices. We hear a lot of voices, don't we? On the news, on the internet, on whatever. And there's so many voices in our world. All of them think they have a point of view. All of them think they're right. That's all good and fine. But if we're going to avoid the distractions of the world, here's one voice we've got to learn to focus in on, and that's God's voice. We need to listen to God's voice. You know, the story of Christmas actually started with God's voice. It started with God's voice. His voice was communicated through an angel named Gabriel. So this is where the start of the story is. It's found in... Luke chapter 1, and this is what it says, starting in verse 28. And he, meaning the angel Gabriel, came to her and said, speaking to Mary, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Excuse me, do not be afraid. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then down in verse 38, this is what Mary's response was. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left her. Wow. That's where the Christmas story started, is with the voice of God. Beautiful. Mary's life would never be the same. I think it's safe to say. 
Her life in that moment was changed forever. And there's a few things in that encounter about God's voice in Mary's story that I think we can learn a lot from. First, if you notice in the beginning, and this is a pretty common occurrence, which, think about it, you'd probably be freaked out too. Most people in Scripture, their first reaction when they see an angel or a messenger from the Lord is actually fear. That, that's, that's kind of the normal first reaction. It's like, because they don't really know what to do with it. They don't know what's going on yet, right? And Mary was no different, right? Mary, it's been said, was probably 14, maybe 15 years old when, when this happened. And so here's this young girl. Yes, she'd heard about God and, you know, in, in her religious training as, as a Jew, and that's all good. But it's quite different when an angel of the Lord is now literally having a conversation with you. So her first natural reaction is somewhat of fear. And I think sometimes when we're learning how to hear the voice of God, it can kind of freak us out a little bit too, right? You know, Whoa, God, what are you, is this you? Are, you? are you trying to communicate with me here? So there's, there's some uncertainty. But if you notice toward the end of the story, Mary ultimately learns to have faith and trust in what God is doing. (coughs) Now, the other thing that we see is Mary had trust, but she still didn't have all the answers, right? She just knew the angel, this is what the angel said was going to happen, but she didn't know where Jesus would be born. She didn't know how her soon-to-be husband, Joseph, was going to react to this news, right? There was a lot of unknowns. And a lot of times when we hear a word from God, when we hear his voice, there's still still some unknowns. Now, these unknowns could have distracted Mary. They could have said, eh, I don't really know all the pictures of the puzzle here so I'm not sure but she didn't let those unknowns distract her from believing and receiving what God's voice was sharing with her now maybe we don't necessarily hear God's voice through an angel right but we do hear God's voice in many other ways first it could be a person that God sends to us right a specific person that God oftentimes speaks through others, right? So it's somebody that's spoken a word over us or somebody that's spoken something over us. That's an example of God's voice. We can hear God's voice when we're reading his word. Anybody ever experienced that? You actually hear, you hear in your spirit, it may not be an audible voice, but you hear in your spirit God whispering things to you, saying things to you. Uh, That's God's voice. So oftentimes you may hear it. I think most of the time, when we hear God's voice, it's much like what's described in Isaiah chapter 30. Verse verse 21, it says, And your ears shall hear a word. Some translations say a voice. Behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right, or when you turn to the left. I think for most of us, that's how we hear God's voice, very much like described in Isaiah. And you know, when we're able to listen and discern God's voice, we're then better able to push away distractions, right? When, when we have that, that voice whispering to us. 
Now, Mary's journey certainly could not have been an easy one. Yes, she had the appearance of the angel. She heard God's voice. And yet, there was a lot of sleepless nights, I'm sure, that Mary went through. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of uh, difficulty. But in those hard times, she could always refer back to, this is what the angel told me. This is what God's voice said to me. That had to give her hope. That had to give her a sense of peace. And I think that's why the voice of God is so important to us. You know, sometimes that's all we have to hold on to is a promise that God gave us. Sometimes that's all we have. Come on, man. The world's coming against you. People are doing this. People are leaving. Whatever. And sometimes all you have to hold on to is that voice of God. That's why it is so important that we use that when those distractions, when those other voices. Anybody hear those other voices sometimes? You're not good enough. You're never going to measure up. You've done too much. Those are the voices of the world. Those are the voices of our enemy. And that's why having the voice of God helps us fight those distractions that come against us. Hold on to that voice of God. Come on. Come on. That's, that's actually good. You know, surely Mary must have found comfort in that. And I do want to mention two other things, though, that Mary experienced in her angelic visitation of God's voice. And that is she received assurance and she received direction. And those are two things that God's voice can bring us as well. Assurance and direction. Surely Mary must have found comfort when the angel said, you're already approved. You're already highly, you're already favored in God's, you're favored in God's eye. Did you know that? That you're highly favored every bit as much as Mary was. Anybody here want to hold on to that? That you're enough? That you, come on, you're enough. Because of Jesus Christ and what he did when he came here and what he died and did when he died on that cross, you're enough. You're approved by God. He's not up there keeping tick marks of how bad uh, Bob is or how crazy Melissa is. Or uh, Hey, come on. Come on now. He's not keeping a tally like that. He's saying you're loved. You're righteous. You're under the blood of my son. And because of that, you're approved. You are favored you are favored, just like Mary's favored. And then the other thing that Mary experienced with God's voice is a sense of direction, right? She, God laid out the plan. This is what's going to happen. You're going to have a son. You're, he's going to be sit on David's throne. He's gonna, his reign will never end. So, so God also provides to us a sense of direction. And really, isn't that what we want when we, when we go to God? And we want to hear his voice. We want to know we're accepted. Come on, anybody want to know that you're accepted? And we want to know, God, what do you want me to do? What direction do you want me to take? The same things that Mary experienced in her moment, hearing a voice of God, is, hearing the voice of God is the same things we can experience right now today. Right now today. And maybe the answer won't come in the form of a burly angel. Like Gabriel, and these angels always, you know, just have this 
you know, impression that he must have been pretty scary looking, you know, creature because most of the time they exhibit fear when people see them, right? So, just, you know, maybe that's not how you hear God's voice. But maybe it's through prayer, through receiving wise counsel, and from listening to that still small voice that Isaiah talks about of the Holy Spirit whispering to you, yes, this is God's voice speaking to you. And we know that God is for us, and he has a plan in it all. And once we know that, then we can confidently follow his voice and follow his direction. The voice of the crowd screams rejection, discouragement, disappointment. That's the voice of the world. That's the voice of our enemy. God's voice speaks hope and encouragement. God's voice helps us limit distractions. God's voice keeps us focused on what's important. So let's make room for Jesus in this season and beyond by letting go of the distractions in our lives. Let's limit our distractions this Christmas season so that we can focus our full attention on the most important reason for it all, and that's the birth of Jesus Christ. And then in it all, let's listen carefully for God's voice. Let's listen for direction. Let's listen for approval. Let's listen for guidance. God's there to give it to you. And as we do this, God will give you a peace that you cannot even imagine. Let's take that peace in as we prepare for the birth of the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Heavenly Father, we come before you now with such gratitude in our hearts. Father, we're so grateful that you sent your Son to come to this earth to not only be born, but with a specific mission to die in our behalf and in our place so that our sins could be forgiven. Father, the birth was all part of the death and the resurrection process, and we're so grateful. Now, Father, during this time, in these coming weeks, and in even beyond, Father, help us to limit the distractions in our life. Help us to keep you and Jesus as the most important things in our life. And Father, let us hear your voice so that you can provide us guidance and direction and approval in all the things that you intend for us. Let us not get detoured from the road that you have set before us. Instead, let us walk with you on that road to our final destination, Father. We love you, Jesus. Now, maybe there's somebody here who's never given their life to Jesus, who really doesn't or hasn't in a long time made that commitment to let the distractions of life go and focus on the Messiah who was sent to redeem us. And if that's you today, I'm going to pray a prayer. And at the end of that prayer, 
I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand. If, if that's you today, if this is your moment to let Jesus be the Lord of your life as you prepare for his birth, today would be a great day for you to do that. So let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, today is the day I want to give my life to you. Today is the day that I want to recognize you as the Messiah who is sent to pay for my sins. And I am a sinner in need of salvation. I want my life to be different, God. I want to be able to enjoy the best that you have. And the best is living a life of eternity with you. And today, my name can be written in the book of life as I make that decision. So on the count of three, I'm just going to count to three here in a minute. If that's you, if today's your day to make Jesus the Lord of your life, on the count of three, just slip your hand up if you would. One, Jesus, I love you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Two, today I give my life to you. And three, please just right now, just slip your hand up if that's you today. All right, beautiful, beautiful. All right, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your goodness and for your grace. We give this day to you now, Father. We give this season to you, and we do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com give. Thank you for listening, and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.